Hello, everyone. You are listening to In the Weeds with Monica Jean, an agriculture podcast. Uh, hello, my name is Eric Anderson. I'm a field crops educator with Michigan State University Extension. Thank you for joining us for this edition of In the Weeds. Uh, today, we're going to be talking with Mike Klump, who has a business called Ag Marvels here in Michigan. And we're going to talk a little bit about that business. But uh, Mike, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. So, Mike, tell me a little about your background and why you decided to grow hemp in 2019. We're located here in central Michigan, Shepherd. We're an organic grower up here. I've uh, been growing organically now for at least seven, eight years. And um, it just seemed like a pretty good fit. It seemed like it was something up and coming, something we wanted to jump into. We're kind of entrepreneurs at heart up here and have a few other businesses and stuff we own and operate too. So, most everything involved in ag for us. So, this seemed like something we wanted to jump into. So, we we uh, kind of took the leap and got involved. So just for the sake of those farmers who are thinking about getting into hemp, kind of like you just described, what other crops do you grow? We grow uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, some dry beans on occasion as well. So mostly mostly row crop, uh, all cash crop on an organic basis. What resources did you bring into the growing season? For example, uh, equipment, land, skill set, key relationships, things like that? We're set up pretty good here for land. We, uh, we operate around 3,000 acres here in central Michigan, so uh, uh, we had lots of land to work with, uh, a few hundred acres of that being irrigated land as well. So we come to the table with quite a little land to be able to work with on the hemp market. We come in with, I guess, the skill set on the organic side of things seems to be a lot like this crop's growing. I mean, it needs to be growing, uh, even if you're not certified organic, not using pesticides and commercial fertilizers and those kind of things were something that we were already accustomed to. So that was kind of geared up pretty well for us. Uh, a lot of the same equipment we were using, cultivators and, and different things like that, that uh, we already had here. We did have to go out and source some, some new equipment, uh, transplanter and, and some things of that nature. We did source a few things new, but for the most part, a lot of the stuff we were already utilizing here on the farm. So you mentioned irrigation. Is that overhead irrigation or have you done some drip with your other production? Yeah, we've actually used both. Last year we did we did some with some plastic and drip line, hooked up some irrigation plots that way, but we also have some some overhead uh, pivot irrigation as well. And did you use the overhead for the hemp last year? We tried a small plot on the overhead. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's what we're going to lean this year is pretty much all overhead irrigation uh, on the hemp for 2020. Okay, and that worked out okay. There there wasn't a lot of disease issues, a lot of mold. We haven't really come across that, no. And we we've, we've worked with some other farmers uh, in the state that done the same thing, and they've all had to, had pretty good luck. So okay, so almost all hemp growers in the U.S. and including here in Michigan grew for CBD oil in 2019. Uh, there's been a lot of interest in hemp uh, for grain and fiber discussed this winter. Uh, do you have any plans to develop either of those two markets for 2020? Uh, yeah, we do actually. We've been working pretty hard on that. Not so much in the fiber. We don't have much going there. But in the grain side, uh, we've actually sourced some buyers out there for uh, for hemp grain. And um, we're just about ready actually to, to launch a little campaign here looking for some growers to grow for us for grain for this year. Um, had to be certified organic ground, but it's kind of nice contract because we can lock in a price, lock in an acre contract, a lot like growers are a little more used to versus uh, just this oil. And 
And actually, a lot of this byproduct that we'd be getting out of the hemp will be still used for oil. So it'll be kind of a multi-use crop is what we're what we're hoping to go to. So we're looking to start out uh, kind of small there, but we are looking to uh, source a, at least a thousand acres of some growers in the state to that want to maybe jump in on this with us uh, on the organic side for the year and and see what we can't do in the grain side of things. So, and you're specifically looking for certified organic acres. Yes, has to be certified organic. Um, that's the the contracts that we have in place is for certified organic hemp grain. Okay, is that grain going out of state, or or are there processing facilities that are going to get up and running here in Michigan? No, that'll be going out of the state. Nothing nothing here in Michigan, sadly enough, yet. But uh, maybe mm-hmm. in the future. Okay, so it sounds like you're looking to utilize all three portions. Did I hear that right? So the grain, and then collecting some some of the CBD from the biomass. Uh, any any look at the fiber that's going to be left behind from the grain? We sure like to find a home for it. That's for sure. We have a lot of R&D out on that, working with a lot of other individuals that um, are trying a lot of things there from from feed source to bedding to making some potential, you know, textiles and stuff. But right now it's all all pretty R&D, nothing that I don't think a person would want to start, start uh, growing for, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, describe how the 2019 season went for you. Uh, maybe talk about some of the things you tried that well, went really well, and some that provided a good learning opportunity for you. All in all, our 2019 season went pretty well. Like I said, we tried a couple different styles and plots, uh, all irrigated. We learned that, uh, I think, to keep the cost down and different things, we're going to get away from the plastic and drip line, you know, for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, learned we got to get the get the hand labor out of the field for this thing to go a little more large scale ag is where I see it heading. We have to get rid of uh, a lot of this hand labor and and keep our costs down, you know. So, so we've kind of we've learned a lot there and on how to do this, how to do it, uh, use more machinery and and less hand labor moving forward. A lot of good learning lessons. Learning that uh, need to be prepared come harvest time with capacity enough for for drying and storage and some of these kind of things that uh, I think a lot of people learn this year. But uh, but all in all, I think uh, 2019 we can chalk it up to a to a pretty good learning year, and we're looking forward to a, a really good 2020. So okay, so let's talk about outsourcing. You mentioned some of those critical steps in production and harvesting and processing. Uh, what aspects of hemp production? would you recommend that uh, hemp farmers hire out based on your own experiences? And you could talk about anything from uh, growing the, the clones or seedlings, or, or, you know, if you're talking about uh, direct seeding, uh, maybe site preparation or planting. And then definitely when you're moving into that harvest drying processing time, how much of that do you think should be outsourced? I would say, you know, starting out with your, your clones or seedlings, um, I would definitely outsource that if you're not already a greenhouse. You know, I think I think greenhouses would have pretty good luck starting these seeds, but we don't recommend planting just uh, seed to soil. We definitely recommend a clone or a seedling, you know, for your start. And sometimes you can, these can be a little finicky, getting them germinated and that kind of thing. So I would probably leave that to the professionals as far as that end. You know, site site preparation, it's it's not much different than a regular row crop, you know. We got generally, you know, lots of time to do it because you're not wanting to plant this crop till late May, early June. So site prep, depending on what you're going to, 
how you're going to put this in, if you're going to put on plastic and drip or um, be able to set it up in rows to cultivate. But um, those kind of things can usually be done that way. Planning, again, we bought a transplanter is how we transplanted plugs last year. I think it's a pretty good method. We're going to continue on with that style this year. Um, I think there's going to be some people out there that maybe would come do this as a custom service. I can see that uh, as a possibility, maybe something to look at if you're, if you're just thinking small scale and you don't want to put the investment in a transplanter the first year, um, that could be something to look at to hire out. Then you have all your, your maintenance of the crop, right? So weed control, you know, your male plant management, uh, watering, those kind of things. Um, that's going to be, that's kind of where your high maintenance comes in and you need that, that scout out there kind of looking over this field for you minimum uh, once a week, I would say, especially when you get a little closer to where you can distinguish uh, male, female uh, genetics, those kind of things, if you're, if that's the route you're taking. So mm -hmm. that definitely, I think, has to be done, you know, on a, on a farm level uh, to be able to control it. And probably the last couple things are probably the most important that most people didn't think about last year because it was down the road a little ways is, you know, harvesting, drying, and processing. I think those are three key components here that people need to be prepared for. Um, we ended up setting a drying facility up last year, a biomass dryer, and and uh, took in a lot of product for people and, and milled it and dried it. And I think we helped a lot of people out. They didn't, they didn't really have a, a home for it at the time. And found out how much storage and space this stuff really takes up when they start taking it out of the field. And so that's, that's really important. I mean, this is, you know, you start cutting down green plants, you better have a home for them and figure out what you're going to do with them. So in those dryers, uh, they're expensive. We put one in last year and we just actually just bought a second one that we're getting ready to install here in a couple months. So we'll have a pair of those going that, uh, you know, we offer drying as a service. And I think, People need to be prepared for that if uh, they're going to get in this uh, industry here. Then the uh, you know the last thing being processing. Uh, not a lot of processors out there. Um, the ones that are out there are backed up. You know it's good to have be geared up with somebody for processing. One thing that we're doing this year, different than last, is is um, we're offering processing contracts to growers if. Um, we wanted to plant our genetics of seed out there and then we offer a, a grower commitment contract back for them. So, and basically it's just saying that, that we're guaranteeing you a spot in our processing facility here. So, you know, when you get done at the end of the day, uh, at least where your, where your product's going to end up and it's not still sitting in warehouses and barns, like uh, a lot of this stuff is out there yet today, you know? So Mike, you mentioned the processing based on, I'm assuming you have a, a pretty good, you know, thumb on the pulse of what's going on here in Michigan, especially over this uh, winter season. What is your take on it? Are we going to have the processing throughput by 2020 harvest time to take in all of the biomass, let's say within three to four months of harvest time? Well, I know we're constantly scaling up here. That's a big part of what we're doing. We're, we're scaling our extraction facility uh, pretty much weekly, bringing in new equipment and new methodology and and able to process uh, more and more pounds all the time. I think when the price of this was four times what it is today, there was a lot of people that was talking about putting in a processing facility and got everybody all excited. But then um, when the price come down a little bit, a little more realistic to where it should be, I think a lot of those hopes and dreams for some people kind of faded away. So I, 
I don't know how many more processing facilities we're going to have. I know a lot of them that are up and operating today are scaling up. We're going to be able to keep up a lot better than we did last year. I mean, we, we didn't even get online till December before we were even operational ourselves. And we've doubled, almost tripled our capacity uh, from when we first started. And we're going to continue to grow, you know, at that rate. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to be a little more prepared than what we were for the last year. But it kind of depends on how many acres go in, too, right? I don't know if, if you uh, have a good idea out there of, of how many acres we're looking at compared to last year, but that's going to make a, a big difference in how fast we can process. But So I want to circle back to one thing you mentioned uh, as far as bringing down those, those hand labor costs, maybe going with something a little bit more of an agronomic scale. So one model that's out there, I don't know how popular it is yet, is growing this crop for CBD but doing it more like a row crop, doing it almost more like a fiber crop. And so you're planting, let's say, tens of thousands of plants per acre. And then you'll come in and similar to what you were talking about, you'll harvest the seed, you'll pull out the CBD oil, and then uh, potentially have a biomass to process as well. Have you tried that at all on a trial basis? Have you looked at um, growing the plants, not worrying about male or female, and just, you know, hands off, lower input costs, and then uh, assuming that you've got, you know, lower CBD oil, still being able to make money. Have you looked at that model at all? That's essentially exactly what we're doing with this grain model, Eric, is um, we're bringing that in. I, I think that's where this needs to go. We did not try any of that way this last year, but we intend on putting, I think we're going to do around 200 acres that way this year and it'll be grain uh hemp for grain is the uh the first purpose i guess and uh when we pull the grain off we're gonna uh, collect biomass at that time and and the biomass will be converted into into cbd so i think even at a at a three percent cbd content but on large scale ag with uh no hand labor essentially involved uh, that's where I really see this market heading. I mean, essentially the CBD oil is going to be a almost a byproduct of our grain production. Mm. And um, I think that's going to make this a lot more ec- economical for, for large-scale operations. Mm. So you asked before about scale and just how many acres there are going to be in 2020. Of course, we don't know that at this point. Everyone that I've talked to, though, they, either they themselves or they've talked to other folks that have said we're definitely scaling back from 2019 uh, based on their own experience and then also based on what the markets are telling us. So given your experience from 2019 and the state of the current markets, what scale would you recommend that an experienced hemp farmer go with in 2020? Well, we were at our scale here last year. We only grew uh, around 15, uh, 15 to 20 acres last year total. So we had, we're going to have roughly a uh, hundred acres solely for oil production this year. And then we're going to grow around 200 acres, um, like I said, for, for grain and CBD. So we're going to be in that, you know, close to, close to 300 acre range is where we're growing to. But, you know, if you're a first time grower, I think, you know, I think that 10 to 20 acre mark is a pretty good mark to get in with a lot of a lot of guys growing um even one to two acres and trying to do this stuff by hand i think they're going to get their labor costs are going to be too high they're it's going to be hard to see a profit doing it that way but i don't recommend jumping in 
you know, with both feet and, and uh, doing a hundred acres either, you know, I think so something where you can at least scale enough that you can spread some cost over some acres, but not get in, uh, not get in too deep on your, on your first year, not knowing what's going on, you know, so. So with your company, uh, we mentioned Ag Marbles, and you're based kind of in that Mount Pleasant area. Uh, you've pulled together a team of businesses uh, and support to growers uh, from what they call seed to oil. Uh, tell me a little about that, that model, that team that you've developed. Yeah, we, we, have, a, uh, we have a lot of people we've uh, started working with uh, here over the last year. We've, we've traveled all over the country, meeting with people and learning about hemp. The last year, went to a ton of shows, uh, a lot of individual meetings and stuff all over. So we've been educating ourselves uh, since day one. And, you know, here locally, we've teamed up like with uh, uh, Crop Scout Christy, uh, for an example, you know, an agronomist we work with uh, all the time. And she's brought some great value to the table. We've teamed up with some uh, uh, genetics companies out west and some here locally that we feel confident in the seed and genetics and stuff now compared to what we had last year. Uh, that we've teamed up with. We've actually built a, a hemp blend. We call it the Marvel Hemp Blend, working with uh, Morgan's Composting up there for a nice uh, compost uh, certified organic material. You know, it gets about 75% of the nutrients out there that a, that a hemp wants to grow. So we've um, we've made some great great connections with those people. And then there's other there local guys, a uh, guy out of Detroit, Leon Small. He has a company called... Uh, all per plus and we used his product a lot last year for um, insect uh, disease pressure those kind of things like a leaf wash product and so we've, we've, we've barely put together a what i feel a really good team of individuals we've got a couple three salespeople on here uh, that come to the table with some good knowledge i mean we're just trying to surround ourselves with uh, the best people you know we can find out there in this industry to try to move this stuff forward in michigan I think that's really what all of us working collaboratively here, we can try to make this work. So, And while you were talking about these different companies, it made me think, and I'll just throw in a shameless plug here. So for those of you who are listening, who are thinking about going to the AgriLiquid uh, Agro Expo field days that uh, are going to be August 10th and 11th this year, they are planning on having a group of hemp-specific vendors in a little section of the field uh, with some some hemp plants uh, msu will have a table there as well so definitely if you're if you're going to be there already uh, check us out there uh, so how would you counsel hemp growers this year with regards to uh, contracts uh, being vertically integrated or any other marketing strategies that you picked up over the last year well, I think teaming up with the processor early, you know, kind of like the process and agreements that we have out there is going to be important. Maybe trying like this grain, you know, any other aspect, if anybody has any any leads in fiber, I mean, I think fiber would be great to grow, but uh, you're going to want to be teamed up with a processor to start with. As far as vertical integration goes, that's that's kind of what we've done here. We've actually brought uh, a couple brands to market ourselves. We've had the Heirloom Grove brand is one of them that we have here. Uh, it's our personal uh, private label that we have, and we've got it on some some store shelves. And we have anything from lotions to bath bombs to salts to tinctures and all sorts of things with uh, CBD infused. And that's what we did: just try to create our own market, gives us a place to to sell some oil into, and kind of moving this entire thing vertically. 
I know that's not for everybody, obviously, but that's definitely an option. You know, we, we are working with some other growers that have started their own brands as well. And um, they're having some, some pretty good success, actually, at getting some, some products on the shelves and sold. And then the other, you know, as far as marketing strategies goes, it's, it's tough. I think you just need to be teamed up with somebody as soon as you possibly can so you know where, where that product's going to go. Even if you don't, you don't have prices set, you don't know all the details, but at least you know um, where you're going to be come fall time. And that's where too many people landed this fall. Uh, we literally get phone calls every week for, you know, people that are still sitting on biomass from last year because uh, they didn't quite have uh, the whole plan put together, you know? Huh. So you said you're vertically integrated. Do you feel like being vertically integrated, at least the way you've tackled it, do you feel like you have reduced your overall risk or do you feel like you've just sort of moved that risk into a different basket? Yeah. Well, there's definitely, there's definitely a risk on every side of this, right? You know, from the, from the farm risk to uh, the processing risk, you get a lot of money in building finished products too and, and uh, hoping they sell. Um, and there's risk there. So I think we've spread our risk out a little bit, but the nice part about it is we, uh, you know, we're at least finding a home for some of this oil and some of this product, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the biggest challenges today is with the, with the FDA being so tight on this stuff yet, uh, the FTC as well, trying to get some trade going with oil and things and getting some of these big players to the table. Uh, as soon as that happens, this market's going to open up. I, I really believe it will. And there's going to be a massive demand for CBD on the marketplace. But until some of those moves get made, we're just not moving forward as fast as I think everybody would like to see. So, Mike, with this whole COVID-19 thing uh, and, and agriculture hasn't come to a screeching halt whatsoever, but there's definitely more caution, uh, not just on a statewide scale, but also for agriculture. Have you noticed the, the COVID scare impacting the hemp markets, impacting uh, the movement of either the, the biomass or the oil up to this point? Yeah, we're definitely being affected here because of that. I mean, affected locally on you know, uh, employees and things of that level. Uh, we have people laid off uh, around here in the office that are what, you know, maybe deemed as not essential, trying to get less and less people uh, around and keep that social distancing like they, they want to see uh, going, but but yet still trying to move forward in the agricultural space. So we've seen it here. We've also seen it, you know, we have salespeople on the ground trying to move product into into retail locations. And with half the retail location shut down. I mean, nobody's, uh-huh. nobody's talking about buying any new products or putting any more products on the shelf. So we've definitely seen a slow up of orders and those kind of things. And a lot of our stuff are in uh, like boutique uh, style shops and stuff, which are all closed right now. So we, okay. we, we definitely uh, are starting to feel the effects, you know, so. Mike, any final words of wisdom you have for experienced temp growers out there for 2020? You know, I think we all learned a lot last year. You know, 2020 is going to be a good year. We've, I mean, we've, we've seen all these prices come down. I mean, seeds, half the price it was last year. Genetics are getting better. We have more facilities in place, drying facilities, processors. I mean, everything's looking up for us uh, here in Michigan. I would just, uh, I would get teamed up with a processor, you know, try to get you some sort of a contract in place before you get started, I think is extremely important. And uh, just don't get in, uh, don't get in over your head. All right. Well, Mike, thanks again for sharing with us. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for inviting me on. Appreciate it. 
This podcast has been brought to you by the MSU Extension Field Crops Team. For more podcasts or information, please visit us at canr.msu.edu backslash field underscore crops. Thanks for listening.